0: stand as we open in worship. We sing about the great God that we serve. You're going to know the song, How Great Thou Art. Sing along with us.
1: Jesus. Yeah.
2: Thank you worship team. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you that you are so good to us. You are so great, Father. Let that be our heart's cry this morning, Father, as we uh, take this week, what's been going on in our lives this week, Father, and we present it before you and we, we give you what you're worthy of, your worship. Father, help our hearts to cry out to you and to remember that you are great and you are so good to us, Father. Father, we pray for all of us here this morning, Father, that whatever we're going through, Father, we would just give it to you and open our hearts to listen to what it is that you want to tell each one of us and then to, Father, just trust and walk and do what you're telling us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning, Sunset Hills Baptist. It's so good to have you here this morning with us in worship. Uh, we are so glad that you are here. After a, uh, a, a great night we had this week with the, you see a lot of kids down here on the front row, we had lots of candy being given out Wednesday night. So if uh, the kids are jumping off the walls this morning, that's probably wise. There was a lot of sugar handed out. Thank you for everyone's participation in that. It was a great time for our church. If you're here this morning and you're visiting with us, you're a guest, Uh, we're so glad that you're here this morning, and we'd love to get to know you more. So on the way out today, we're going to ask you to stop just at our booth out there, our table, and we'd love to uh, get some information from you so we can know how to serve you. And if you're watching on our live stream this morning, we want to welcome you, whether you're in Canada or you're in Nolensville, or you're in the other part of the world, uh, it's great to know that God is not just in one place, but he is everywhere all the time, as we were talking about this morning, right, guys? So uh, we hope that you uh, have a blessing this morning as you worship with us wherever you are. Worship team, continue to lead us.
1: See
0: We have students that are finishing up a really great weekend and, um we had uh, we had five students that rededicated their lives a couple of days ago and then last night a student for the first time that asked Jesus into their heart and so still real raw for me this morning and uh, these words are just touching my heart, so help me sing this morning, if you will. When peace like like the river river
1: attendeth attendeth my my way, way.
0: when today God of your faithfulness God my prayer today is that that God if there's someone that's just carrying a burden around that God's just too heavy that God we would stand on that promise that you've said that, that if we'll just cast our burdens to you that God we don't have to carry those any longer God I'm just so thankful that You've been faithful this weekend, in our student retreat. And God, even as I'm praying, God, I know you're working in students' hearts. And God, I pray if there's one here that's never said yes to you, that God today could be that day, that they true, could go to sleep tonight saying, it is well with my soul. Lord, let everything that we do here today Bring glory to you. We love you. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be see it this morning.
3: I'm not sure Kelly's gonna make it back up to Smithville. He yeah, is uh operating on what, maybe two or three hours sleep. More than that, not much, I assure you. I'm pretty sure about that. I I Went up and spent some time with uh, their worship last night, had a great dinner. I tell you, uh, there is no camp that has as good a camp food as what they do when they go to Cane uh, Hollow. They, they did a great job up there, and there was a lot of excitement. I, I met a speaker from yesterday morning, Bobby Hamilton, and went up and spoke with them. And As he was leaving, he had a great time, and they have just had a wonderful time up there. Has about 50 of them all together I think about 25 students and about 25 adults one-to-one ratio who is really they're they're continuing to meet Kelly's going to head back that way and be with them and uh, you pray for him that he has a safe journey but I want to just say I have my appreciation this past week Pastor Mike made mention of Trunk or Treat we had a exceptional turnout for our community and a lot of folks here on campus on Wednesday evening and so many folks that you you guys did a wonderful job of just decorating your trunks the back of your cars and yourself some of you all looked pretty uh you look better the other night than what you do this morning so yeah so I spent it's, it's a good week of just activity a lot of folks are out and up in Smithville and different places today and But we're here, and we're going to listen to God's Word, all right? Amen? It's good to see you. We're starting a new series today called What's Your Story? What's Your Story? And in this series... We're going to look at some lesser-known characters in the Bible and discover their story. Actually, one we're going to look at, too. There's more than two, but the the story is is well-known. But as we move forward into this series, there are going to be more lesser-known characters in the Bible, and we're going to discover their story, maybe a few that you've never heard of before. We're going to look at how God used these people to carry out His plan, and because of what they did... History recorded their stories the ultimate intent by the time we go through this is to he- see how God intertwines in our lives so that we too have a story that has a positive impact upon others toward Christ here's a reality I've discovered we all have a story Oftentimes when, well, every time that I stand before a family and and I do a funeral service, what I really like to do is spend some time with that family before the service. A night or two, we we sit around and we talk about what it is that made that individual unique. And what I try to do is just listen to people's stories and then just kind of tie all of that together in, in, in a funeral sermon. And I tell you what really kind of always caps it off in a good way is if that person had Jesus as a part of their story. I would tell you, as a pastor who's done uh, many funerals, the most difficult ones are the ones where Jesus is not part of someone's story. That's very difficult to stand in front of a family when that happens. We all have stories. Recently I purchased a book by a teacher of my past who had a, the, absolutely the greatest impact upon me in, when I was younger as a student. He actually was my seventh grade teacher uh, and, and he was a boys basketball coach at Cookville Junior High School. At a very difficult time in my life, seventh grade was hard, fourth grade was hard, seventh grade was hard. My 10th grade was hard, and all of those usually involved some kind of major change that happened to me, either moving to a new location or changing schools. And I was really struggling in 7th grade, and this teacher comes alongside me and really invests some time in me and helped me overcome the difficulty that I had while I was struggling in 7th grade, and I'll always be grateful for that. And without doubt, he had a huge impact upon my life at a very pivotal time when I could have made some other choices that weren't so good. He was encouraged recently, because he's now retired, to to write a book about the stories of his life. And in this book, that he just basically shares his experiences. Now, I'll tell you, this book is not going to be a New York Times bestseller. It's not going to be widely read by a huge number of people. But I want to tell you that I have been inspired by reading these stories in his life of everyday life everyday occurrences and and it's made a big difference in kind of how I've kind of looked at some things and and how one of these days I probably won't ever get around to it but if I were to write a book I would hope that I have made an impact upon people's lives just like this teacher did to me And, and and you know sprinkled throughout his book so far is evidence of his relationship with Jesus Christ. And it sort of holds the whole story together. What I have discovered in the experiences I've had in telling people stories, especially at, at funeral times, is that really we all have a story, but our lives are made up really of a collection of stories. Many things that have happened to us in life, everyday occurrences... And in those everyday occurrences, maybe we think, well, they're not all that important. But if we're consistently living a Christ-like life, there are people who are watching, and it makes a difference. Has anyone ever been impacted by that? Certainly I have. To see people who have lived consistently a Christ-like life. I impart... Of this teacher's story, even though I'm not mentioned by name. I actually checked it out to see. I thought, surely he's gonna put in one of his chapters my name as that I made an impact upon his life as a student. It's not there. <laughs> Boy, was I disappointed. But he may not know it, but I was part of his story. And just from the standpoint that I had, he made an impact on my life, and that made me part of his story. I believe this is true for all of us. We have a collection of stories that make up our bigger life story. And if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, then he is a part of your story. And all of our stories are unique and have the potential of touching someone else's life maybe even multiple people so what we're going to do for the next several weeks is look at some of the people in the bible whose stories have had an impact and learn some principles from them uh, that have the potential to change our stories so that we're able to impact other people's lives would you pray with me and we ask that god blesses what we do today Father, I do pray. First of all, I pray for your presence to be here through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. May he speak to us. And may he somehow use this sermon to uh, impact our lives as we look at other people of past history who had an incredible impact upon millions of lives. And yet they continue to because their stories have been... uh, recorded in in the pages of the bible and father i pray for the stories that are happening right now at cane hollow retreat for students who are been a part of hearing the gospel many have already made that decision to have a deeper commitment to with you and i pray that it won't be just a, a hype of of a weekend that they come back you're just totally refreshed and they go into their schools and they make an impact on on other people because you have been a part of their story this weekend now thank you for this new uh per, this person who came to christ last night thank you that his story is now changed forever and ever because of what Jesus did. Now, Father, I pray that you just bless our time together. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I call this sermon, Perfect Timing. As we read in the Bible, there are many interesting characters, a lot of very intriguing kind of people. And if you've been around in church for many years, you, you most likely have heard and either in a Sunday school lesson or from a pulpit, that the woman we, that we're going to talk about, she's found in the Old Testament. And our story begins around 470 B.C., near the end of the great Babylonian captivity. And when you come across this woman in the Old Testament, Esther has got to be one of the most courageous, one of the bravest individuals in the entire biblical account. Uh, the vast majority of the Jews uh, choose for some reason to stay in Persia rather than going to, to return to Israel. And at the center of the story is this very boisterous man of emotional extremes called Xerxes, a king. He's well-known in ancient times, and he has a huge empire Empire stretched from India in the east to Greece in the west. So the, so the record of Esther's life kind of spans a 10-year period of time. But one of the most interesting aspects of this, this book in the Bible called Esther in the history account is that God is never mentioned in the book. But yet, if you, were to, if you look for him, he's all through it, and you can see how he is interacting, and you can't help but acknowledge that he's there, and he's active, and he still is today. So let's get the setting a little bit more. Xerxes, the king of Persia, <clears throat> he's on the lookout for a new queen. There were many candidates, and Esther was one of them. Before the women would go in to meet the king, they were, they were groomed. I mean, this sounds almost kind of weird. Pampered and, and perfumed and oiled. I mean, they were just uh, set up to look their very best. It was a process that many times took months and not days. And finally, Esther's turn came, and she met the king, and immediately, it seems, that Esther captured the attention of Xerxes. Pardon me. The text tells us that Esther was good-looking. Now, I started to put in here and use a term that has been around racetracks for a while. You know, of a preacher who prayed a prayer all the way back to 2011. y'all know the term I'm going to talk about? Yeah, well you've heard it he probably prayed if you've gone to a race uh where this pastor has prayed for the the race he he says his wife was smoking hot smoking red hot i think that was it and i was gonna put that term in there and i found this, I started reading and said well people are very critical of the fact that he uses that but let me just say it anyway this uh, esther was smoking red hot just evidently she caught the eye of the king, and she's beautiful. And the text tells us that Xerxes found her more beautiful and more desired than all the others. And once he meets her, the weight's over, all the competitors are set aside, and Esther becomes queen. All things considered, this is really quite phenomenal uh, because of where Esther comes from. Very humble beginnings. As a child, she was orphaned. She was then raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. So that's who Esther is. But then there are other characters in the story that we have to address. There's Haman. Haman's a bad guy. He's the kind of guy that you don't really like. He's uh, the king's right-hand man, however, and it's a position that gives and feeds his ego. And he really takes advantage of that as he's walking around the, the, the town. If you go back and read the story, you find that he devises this plan where he goes behind the king's back and he gets the king to sign a contract to sign uh, this order that declares that all the Jewish people that live in this nation are to be put to death. They're going to be killed. They're outright murdered. The people are instructed on a certain date to kill the Jews and take all their belongings. The instruction is published throughout all the lands and the different languages that people spoke something uh, to be noted was that Esther as you probably already know was a Jew which means that she was going to be put to death also by the law that the king signs into order so we got Haman who's kind of behind all of this and, and and just instrumenting this this terrible tragedy to the Jewish people and then there's Mordecai isn't that a cool name Mordecai do you know anybody named Mordecai let me see your hand if anybody's named Mordecai there's one hand back there that I see there's two well that's the same family is it a family member is that's it's a grand oh your grandson is named Mordecai that is a cool name I like it you know I I really tried to convince uh, years ago some of my kids to name our grandkids sons Mordecai Mordecai Durham, I think it's got a nice little ring to it, right? None of them took me up on it. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with it. You could come up with some pretty neat nicknames as far as I was concerned. But Mordecai, he's this kind of grandfather figure. He's very wise. He he's, uh, sort of stays in the background. Uh, he, he's able to kind of see the big picture and bring it into focus on what should be done. So this very uh, grandfatherly-like figure, he calls it the way it is. Mordecai had, had gained notoriety because he saves the lives, saved the life of Xerxes apparently overheard a plot to overthrow him and when he heard of it he told Esther and then she reported it to the king and and the king takes drastic but necessary action to to hang the conspirators and so we we've got Mordecai in the story so we've got these different characters okay now much of what the story has been surrounded by is Esther but I want us to take a look at something a little different And in the background of what's said, I want us not to forget the impact of Mordecai in this. And how he had such great influence over Esther's life. So we pick up in verse 14 of the uh, fourth chapter of Esther. Now, I'm not using a whole lot of Scripture today. If you can follow along or reading in your Bibles, you can see it on the screen. For if you keep silent at this time, you know the story, right? And here's Mordecai speaking. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have, come, have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai tells Esther, Who knows whether or not you've come to the kingdom for this place in time. He, what's he doing here? He's, he's, ba- he's basically asking a question, but it's not really a question. It's one of those questions that you just have to ask, but you're ready, really letting the person know what your thoughts are. It's not many words that he uses, but the significance is quite great. Uh, have you ever had someone just talk to you and say, basically, a few words or, or, or maybe no words at all, and you know exactly what they're saying? You know exactly what they're trying to tell you to do. I, I find myself in that position quite often with my wife. She doesn't have to say very much for me to get that, that fourth-grade teacher look that she used to use on her students. You know, it's like she communicates with me pretty good. Now, she's sitting back there at the back. She's, she's operating the screens. And, I, you know, I don't worry about it during the sermon because I can't see that far back, Okay. But there are times when I get the message real clearly, when she doesn't have to say it hey, just an example is like uh, you know, she, sometimes she, she will set the trash can out from under the, the kitchen sink, and it's like she'll just sit in the middle of the floor. You know what that means? "Steve, take out the trash." you know? She doesn't have to tell me. It's like, it, it, take out the trash, you know? and i get the message i understand that any of you guys know what i'm talking about you know it's like you get that this is really sort of what mordecai is doing he's not having to say a lot of words he's not really asking her esther do you think maybe that you were brought to this time place for a reason no he's telling her he's saying esther you were put in this place and this time to influence for a reason And if you don't take advantage of it, deliverance will come from somewhere, but right now, Esther, it's up to you. You're the only Jew in the entire Persian Empire that has the ability to speak into the situation that exists right now. And so he's basically saying, do you think it's just random chance that you're the queen of Persia? God put you here for a reason. Now, I'm sure there were a lot of times when she wondered, in fact, why am I here? Why did God place me here? Why did I have to deal with all the things that I've had to deal with through my life uh, That as, as I've been queen? Uh, why do I have to put up with that? I, I think it's a question all of us ask from time to time. Why am I in this situation? Why is this happening right now? What, God, are you expecting me to do? I have no talent. I have no skills in order to do what I feel like you're asking me to do. Why am I here? And here's Esther. She's been just kind of in this time of being where she is. And here's Mordecai saying, Esther, you have been positioned where you are, and it's perfect timing. Practically speaking, I wonder how often we're placed in those perfect timing situations. You know, uh, I, I believe with all of my heart that God places us at the right place at the right time. He's got a plan for each of us to be influencers of other people. I believe that this is an act of His perfect timing. And we have incredible opportunities before all of us, regardless of how simple we think our stories may be. In fact, I'm beginning to think that probably the people who have the greatest impact on others are those who live a very consistent life built on truth and are genuine people. Not a lot of fanfare around it. It's just... Are you going to be the same in your beliefs? Are you going to be the same person in espousing the the truth, the truth? I'm talking about biblical truth. Are you going to be carrying that out throughout your lifetime? Will people be able to see that you have done this consistently throughout your life? Now, I have had the privilege of being a part of this church now in November for 50 years. 50 years there's a few people who've been around here longer than I than I have okay I'm not going to tell you their ages they're just old that's all there is okay but they've been around for many of those years And, and then there are a lot of other folks that you've been around for 30 or 40 years and I've known you and I'm grateful that for the most part you're wondering who is not included in that, right? For the most part, I have seen people who have been consistent in their faith for years. And I have a great deal of respect for people who have lived that consistent life for years. So when I preach their funeral, hopefully not too soon, and I will be able to stand before their families without hesitation talk about how God and how Jesus Christ was a part of their story and you could see it consistently throughout their lifetime. I believe that our culture needs more of those kind of people, right? We need people who are at the right place at the right time. So let's, let's talk about what's the definition then of what this is. Time, place, An opportunity where they come together to create something special. Now, we all have those times. When I was head of a school, we used to take 8th grade trips to Washington, D.C., and I prided myself in trying to, to be at the right place at the right time. Not that I could be strategically doing it, but oftentimes I did take our groups and we would find ourselves at the right place at the right time. For instance, uh, in my lifetime, I've seen four different presidents personally up front. Not real close. I've never shook hands with any of them. But I saw them. They didn't see me, but I saw them, right? Okay. I've seen President uh, Carter way back, years ago, back in the 70s. I, I saw President Reagan. I saw, he did wave at us as he passed by in his limousine. I saw President Bush, and I've seen President Clinton. And uh, regardless of what your politics are, I always thought it was cool to see a president, right? I don't know if you think that's cool or not, but I have. And and Reagan, Bush, and Clinton, those presidents, were all examples of that perfect timing of where this happened. The time, the place, and opportunity where they came together and created something special for me and those students that we were traveling with. We just happened to be at the right place at the right time. It wasn't orchestrated. It just came together that that happened. And it was really cool to see that. I believe that God gives us opportunities, but the difference is, you see, all of those other uh, seeing the presidents, except for one was by chance. Really? God gives us opportunities, But the differences are that they are not by chance. That's important for us to know. We all have opportunities, but it's by no mistake, it's by no chance that God gives us those opportunities. So let's redefine perfect timing uh, this way. God orchestrated convergence of time, place, and opportunity for a purpose. You see the difference? God orchestrates those places and those times those opportunities and there is reason why he does it and we see this in this story there are perfect timing moments that happen to each of us all those time all the time have you ever been in one some of them are hey wow This is amazing for me to be able to see this and experience it at this particular time. Now, I'll tell you, I think that that what Kelly was so emotional about this morning was because he was experiencing one of those times when it was God-orchestrated For him to be a part of what was happening there, and those students and those other adult chaperones that are up there coming together at a particular time, a particular place, and the opportunity for God to do his purpose in their lives. That is one of those times I'm talking about. And it happens to us all of the time, okay? but. There are times when, when we just kind it just kind of sneaks up on us and, and we get to be a, a, an observer of this and participate in this wonderful time. And I want to tell you, they are really wonderful times when you experience that. You ever been there? You know what I'm saying? It's true. Oftentimes, they may be life-saving. We see someone's life radically changed by what happens. But in many other situations... It's not so astounding, not so dramatic. It's maybe caring for a co-worker who's going through a very difficult time. It, it might be, actually, and this is almost dangerous in today's time, if you see someone uh, that is, is, is really upset and you are able to speak in their lives... Often I'm in and out of hospitals, as you well know. Many times I've run into people on an elevator. I don't know what's going on in their life, but it's really very evident that they've just received bad news about a family member. I experienced that myself just a few weeks ago. And I'll tell you, there have been opportunities where I've just said, I see you're visibly upset. Is there something I can pray with you about? It's one of those God moments a perfect timing, a play, time, place, opportunity that we're able to speak His purpose into someone's life. And I believe that every believer in Jesus Christ... If we'll look for it, we will have those opportunities that will come up in our life. Not a huge thing, like I said, but oftentimes in just the routine things we do. Perfect timing. But what happens sometimes when we're placed in those situations is we fail to act on them. Maybe because of fear or insecurity, or inconvenience, or maybe we're just too busy to stop and notice and see someone. Maybe we're just distracted by one thing or another, and we let those moments pass us by. Or could it be that we're just not in tune in knowing that perfect timing moment that's right before us, those perfect timing moments, I have had some of those slip away. And I'll tell you, I have have thought many times about those few times that it's happened to me, and I failed to take action to speak into someone's life. We go back to the book of Esther and we see that Esther has every reason, in her case, to let this perfect timing moment pass her by. She's been positioned to make a difference, but she has the great risk involved in doing so. She's got this opportunity to, to, to really just put it out there and make an impact for her, her, her people... And Mordecai is very clear in bringing this out and encouraging her to do so. This is a real time. Mordecai is saying, it's not a time to be safe. It's not a time not to take risk. Uh, you're, guess what? If you don't take the risk, I'm not going to escape the king's eating. And I've got another news for you neither are you and your family so this is not a time that you can back off from it she's not going to escape it actually the most dangerous thing she could do is to do nothing now let that sink in just for a second because it's really important for us as believers to see this that maybe when we have those God-ordained, orchestrated moments where we can speak into someone's life, maybe the most dangerous thing that we can do is to do nothing. You see, Esther knew that in order for her to save her people, that would require her to go have a meeting with the king. In order to do that, she's going to have to go into the inner court where the king was. And everybody knew. The Bible tells us in chapter 4, verse 11, it says, "This all the king's servants and all the people of the king's province and know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden s- scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. Isn't that a scary place to be? Yeah. I need to go see my husband. I need to go see the king. But if the king doesn't approve and you don't find favor, then you're put to death. She understands that. She just can't enter his presence without an invitation. You can't just go, hey, excuse me. I'm the queen, I need to talk to the king. You, you don't get that privilege. You know? Or what if you show up, you're just a, and he's having a bad day? If you appeared without being invited, you have, you have to be immediately pardoned or found favor with, or you're going to be executed. She understands that. So, really and truly, we stop and think about it Esther has every, res- every right, every reason not to step into that moment she's facing this great opportunity but there's a real potential that it could go terribly wrong she has every reason to step in that moment but there's fear possibly death now I don't know about you but there have been times when I failed to step into a moment for a lot much less reason than what she had we run from it The Bible tells us that in that moment Esther does something and it's something that is important for us to see she doesn't rely on herself she chooses not to focus on her fear she doesn't focus on the fact that she just might die In that moment, the Bible tells us that she musters up her courage and she chose to focus on God. It was going to be God who she turns to. She she chose to look His direction and allow Him to provide exactly what she needed in order to accomplish His purpose. God... Always equips people when he calls them is that true you with me you ever been in a situation where why am I why am I being called to do this and what God does he says I'm not wanting you to focus on those things that cause fear if you want to make it through this if you really want to carry out my purpose and what you're to do you focus on me and I will equip you God has a plan for all of us. So, well, I don't have the ability. I'm not called to preach or I'm not called to teach a class or I'm not called to do this. No, God calls you exactly where you are to be an influence to other people. You say, well, I just can't do that. Well, that's not what this story says. This story says that he will equip you. Even though Esther didn't have wealth... She really didn't have a a great deal of influence on the front end. She didn't have all the connections she needed. What she had was courage. And God had placed her in that to carry it through, that courage. When she was faced with a challenge, she looks to God. I have found myself in situations more times than I can count. Wondering as I'm driving up into that situation, about to get out of the car, go in and whatever it is. and God, I, I, don't, know. I don't know what to do here. I have no idea what to say. Uh, I don't know what I'm facing. And all I have at that moment is to say, give me what I need at that particular time. I faced that a couple of weeks ago when I conducted a funeral service for my mom. when I conducted the funeral service of my brother back in January. When really my kind of first time to speak in a setting like that was when I faced it in my dad's funeral service 19 years ago. In many ways, I face it every Sunday morning. When I stand up here and I think, I, I, I am not worthy of bringing the word to our people. And in those situations, I just have to rely on God. Would you use what's said today, not for my purpose, but for your purpose, And I am convinced that in our culture today, it's gonna, who, the people that are going to make the difference aren't people who are standing behind pulpits. But it's going to be the people in everyday life situations. The further our culture gets from who God is, the darker it's going to become. And when it gets darker, you know this, the light shines brighter. And the church is to be the light. It's been that way from the very beginning of New Testament days. And it's always going to be that way. Culture has nothing to offer in terms of hope culture has nothing to offer in terms of eternity. Only Jesus Christ is the true light and the true Savior of the world. And our culture needs people who have this, the courage to act. We must have the courage to act. So many times I believe the believer is silent in the presence of evil We sense that something's wrong. We sense and know that something needs to be done. We know that we should say something. Too often we stay quiet. We stay on the sidelines. We don't get involved. Esther could have chosen this, but that was not to be. Somehow I think we have lost the idea as God's people that to participate in kingdom work is truly a privilege for us to do. And it's a great blessing. That's why Kelly was so emotional this morning. He's experiencing that blessing. We should be careful not to miss an opportunity. You see, when we take advantage of that, when we have the courage to speak into that situation, without fail, not only is that person blessed, they, they may not agree with you, they may not come around to your opinion you know what it's not our job to try to convince them of their opinion of our opinion really that's up to God it's up to him our job is to speak into it and plant a seed and let God do his work and when he does that person gets a blessing But I want to tell you, there's also a reciprocal effect to that, that we get a blessing in return, right? Is it true? Are y'all cutting out on me? Are you done already? Is that not true? Don't miss God's blessing. Here's the second thing I think we need to keep in mind. God has us in the right place at the right time to bring about his purpose. He has placed believers and the church to bring about a purpose. You read the story, you finish it, you observe that there's no coincidences, coincidences in the characters that are listed in this story I believe that God has and uses every situation that we encounter ultimately for his purpose I understand there are times when we're going through those situations that they're not very pleasant in fact they're just plain old hard at times but there are God can always use a crisis to bring about His purpose. It's no coincidence that you work where you do or that you live where you do. It's not dumb luck that you have the relationships that you have. God doesn't allow anything in our lives by accident every situation has a greater purpose even though we may not see it in the moment Esther may not have understood exactly what it was why she was placed where she was But finally, she understands, after having the courage to do it, the purpose of it. And one of the things I think you want to come back to was as she was trying to decide this, she wasn't in it all by herself. She had Mordecai who was encouraging her. He was saying, you need to do this. You need to step. He he basically was holding her accountable, which is really one of the things that we need to do as a church is hold each other accountable to do the purpose of God. We too are not alone in trying to participate in these God orchestrated opportunities we have each other to encourage but greater than that we have what Jesus left us to help us in our time and that's his Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit God gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to do what he's called us to do whoever he calls he equips them to get it done And quite often, that equipment is done through the presence strictly of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that God's not ever going to abandon you? Uh, You know that, right? I mean, there's scriptures that talk about that. You probably can. You're very familiar with it. God does not abandon His people. Ever. He won't leave you alone, no matter what you're facing. No matter what time or place He puts you in, He's there with you. It's the perfect timing that God orchestrated convergence of time, place, and opportunity for a reason, and that's His purpose. But the question is this. To what extent do we allow Jesus to be part of our story? I'm going to do a sermon soon on this. And I'm going to give some homework when I do this. It's coming, and now everybody will quit coming because you don't want to do homework. But I want to tell you, it's going to be a very serious sermon, a very serious question. You know, As believers, we're called to be different from the world, right? Right? Is that right? You you believe that? Are are we to be different? Yeah. The homework's going to be, name me ten ways that you're different from culture. Huh. Amen, we're to be different. Oh, no, I don't want... You're going to make me tell 10 ways? Wow. We are to be different. We're to realize that God has a purpose and he has a plan that is bigger than us that we can no way achieve it without him being a part of it. So, to what extent is Jesus part of your story? How much do you let him influence you and guide your steps and follow you through the orchestration of your life? Is he really in control of your plans? Interesting questions, is it not, that we should ask ourselves? Would you pray with me please? It's truly really my desire, Father, that Jesus becomes a part of every person's story. The story of salvation. The story of making him the Lord of our lives that's interspersed throughout our lifetime that if we were to sit down and write a book we'd be able to have throughout all the chapters of that book opportunities and actions that point to Jesus I pray Father that if we're facing a situation now where We know that you've got a purpose for that. You you expect us to speak into that situation. I pray for wisdom. I pray for power through the Holy Spirit and the courage to do that. And I pray, Father, that there's someone here that Jesus is not part of the life story, that today they'll make him their salvation story. Father if there's someone here that just needs to do some business with you in these moments of invitation whether it's sitting there in their seat or standing there or in this altar that they will spend time with you we ask these things in Jesus name amen please stand i have decided
1: to fall. decided to.
3: take that song seriously, a song we probably remember from our childhood. And when you're leading us into those situations that may be uncomfortable, that takes courage, that we'll decide to follow you, follow Jesus. Help us to do that as a church in this community. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Maybe be seated for a moment please I have some announcements I think if we just run them on the screen I'll use the screens to do that this on Thursday November 10th uh, ladies if you would like to come and join it says for a cozy night of building friendships in the foyer you be, are welcome to come be a part of the Soup and Share night. It starts at 6.30. So you, you build re- friendships. You sign up to bring your favorite soup, bread, or dessert. So you can bring any of those choices or all of them and come have a good time with, with our ladies as they do that. Out in the foyer, there is a section of uh, floor set up, and you'll see a sign that, that looks just like that. And what we're doing during the Thanksgiving season is we are uh, conducting a food drive. And all the food that is brought in, already there's been a delivery made to the Nolansville Food Bank. But we're asking our, our church membership to come together and, and just support people within our, in our uh, community that uh, don't have enough food. And there are a lot of folks who are in that situation. We have plenty right i'm serious i mean we probably have more in our cupboards than what we could ever use in the next year or so so we're just asking you to bring don't bring your old worn out stuff though you know it's like make sure it's still in date but uh just a lot of folks are responding and there was a big box for that came in the uh um, was delivered to the church the other day and and i got excited had my name on it i don't know who it was sent by I thought, oh, wow, what's this big box? All kinds of stuff here, and it was pretty heavy. And I thought, wow, this is going to be pretty cool. I opened it up, and it was really cool, okay? There was a whole bunch of these in there, and you'll see them setting out there. I, I didn't take them home, Pastor Mike. You can't have them for all your brood at home, all right? So we encourage you to bring whatever and uh, support on those with Food Bank, okay? What else? We got some other stuff? Trunk or Treat, you going to talk about that? Yeah. I, I already I, mentioned it, but you can Man, talk thank, y'all. Go ahead. thank you Thank you all huh? so
2: much for what you all did this week with the Trunk or Treat. Had over 250 uh, adults and, and kids here. We're going to show a quick video just really uh, to sum that up for uh, any you all that weren't here. It was just a wonderful time thank you all so much for being a part of that it was wasn't it great we had people dressed up pastor steve i'm sure you saw we had a lion tamer here uh we had we had people that were dressed up uh, with throwing things into uh, aliens mouths i think the cooks had something there it was it was just
3: a fun, fun it, was. Time. it was a great deal of fun we enjoyed the night
2: uh, on the way out I want to encourage y'all we have some things that are left over from that we also have some things if you hand out candy tomorrow night uh, there's some things in the lobby just a a candy resource table Uh, some of the candy has our names on it you can feel free to take those and hand those out there's also some gospel tracts you can hand out as well as God's promises these are just little strips you cut them off and you wrap them around your candy and so kids and families will know the truth about Jesus that God loves them so those are out on the tables for when y'all are dismissed this morning feel free to grab a lot of those
3: and if you'll walk out past and you'll see the, there's a big container full of coats for the coat drive that folks have brought in. Thank you so much for doing that. A lot of folks will stay warm because of coats, okay? If you can say it's great to be a Tennessee Vol, would you please stand? The rest of you. Oh, my goodness. Everybody, all you people standing can go home. The rest of you, you got to stay here for a long I hope you have a good afternoon. God bless you guys.
4: Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope, and you and I, that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and He wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.